Hi everybody, this is Coach Stephanie, and I'm here at Training Peaks University learning cool stuff about endurance coaching. I'm here with Paul Larson, who is an exercise physiologist and Olympic coach in New Zealand, so that's super cool. And we happen to be on the same page when it comes to nutrition for endurance coaching. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Paul? For sure, for sure. Yeah, thanks very much there, Stephanie, for letting me uh, join you and your listeners in your, in your show. Um, so, yeah, I, I am a, I guess I'm currently employed by the New Zealand government in, um, in high, it's, and the, the organization is called High Performance Sport New Zealand. Um, and it's, I guess, the, the national governing body that supports our Olympic athletes um, that are just about to perform in Rio. So um, that's, um, and it, it's, that's not my only role. I also have this um, adjunct position as a professor of exercise physiology with um, AUT University, so Auckland University of Technology. And that's kind of a, um, uh, we're in the same sort of building in Auckland North Shore. So the role, the, I guess the, the purpose of my role in New Zealand is to bridge this link between, uh, between science, scientific understanding and actual practice for Olympic athletes to, to give them the most chance that they can to perform well on the world stage. Because we have a very small number of individuals in New Zealand, not everyone knows, but only, only four million on that small little island. So we have to, re we, we have to be really clever with, with what we do um, in terms of trying to influence that gene pool. So I am um, I'm the physiology manager, and I I I, um, I guess I supervise a team of individuals that um, that are embedded in targeted sports. So New Zealand um, doesn't give their money for for sports to everyone. They just they focus on sports that we're gonna gonna do really well at, like. Um, uh, cycling and yachting and rowing, um, triathlon. Who are your athletes that you're sending to Rio? Who, oh, who are the athletes? Well, um, I don't like usually saying out, out um, individual names. I'm okay. Not big, I'm not a big name dropper. Well, so I'm you, just but, but telling. They're all, they're all, you know, you know so if you all just, the athletes that you'll see. So there. if you see someone <laughs> from New Zealand... If you dropped a name, I probably wouldn't know it. But <laughs> so if you see someone from New Zealand, you yeah. know that Paul had a part in their training. Well, yeah, or um, their I nutrition. At least, at least, um, definitely a part. So I've been there seven years. So definitely a part in in putting forth the foundation of systems that we um, that that we use to try to better their their performance. So yeah, I'm I'm really proud of the team that I've built and. Um, our, we've really increased our, our metal probability. Um, we, haven't, we haven't performed in Rio yet, but it looks like we could, um, the, the predictors say that we're going to do pretty well. Oh, that's pretty fabulous. So, we'll so the reason why Paul and I are talking, Paul and I are on the same page when it comes to nutrition, and many folks on this podcast have heard Peter and I talk, and Peter had posted an article on his Facebook page, and I met Paul and Paul actually happened to be an author of the article, so that's pretty exciting. So tell us about uh, your publication and what it said about fat adaptation. Ah, uh, yes. That, so that's that's a um, really proud of that paper that came out. So I think the the paper was really looking at, um, I guess, a comparison of the fat oxidation results that you get when you do a progressive exercise test like when you're doing a if you're if you're doing like a, a running vo2 max test um, if you do that as a, in a stepwise fashion you get markers of your carbohydrate and fat oxidation and the study was actually done originally in um, 
uh, in Norway by Ken Hetled um, and Steven, C- Steven Seiler, uh, who are um, you know, great exercise physiologists. Actually, I, I do also have to say that Ken, um, unfortunately, has just left us. He's just passed, uh, unfortunately, and it's... Um, but he, you know, this is the last paper that he did before before he he passed, and um, you know, it's something definitely to be proud of. So his his results wound up showing what was so what he wound up looking at was the, those progressive exercise test results with fat and carb oxidation, and um, performance during a high intensity interval training uh, session. Um, it was, I believe, eight bouts of five minutes at um, you know your maximal sustainable pace in both a recreationally trained individual group and a elite orienteer group. Now, what the the main gist of the finding was that, as expected, the elite orienteers who you know these guys have VO two max levels of around you know um, seventy to eighty um, mils per per kilogram minute, um, extremely extremely fit individuals. What wound up explaining their higher um, their higher running speeds on the treadmill was actually their fat oxidation rates, not the carbohydrate oxidation rates. So, you know, we have a lot of individuals that are um, purporting the importance of carbohydrate at high exercise intensity, and, and there's no question that carbohydrate use increases when we um, are um, at high exercise intensity. But in terms of what explained the performance results, you know, I mean, we're talking, it was 15 versus 11 kilometers an hour up a 5% gradient, um, you know, for, for a prolonged period of time. You know, it was, it was really all about the fat oxidation. It was threefold higher um, in, the, um, in the elite orienteers compared to the, the recreationally trained individuals. Right. It's insane. And both Paul and I just finished a conference and multiple speakers, not just one, talked about the benefits of carbohydrates in training and some even suggested 75% ratio, which I questioned because I thought that was horrific, especially for not only elite athletes, it can lead to metabolic damage and we'll talk about that later, but someone who's already hypoglycemic or insulin resistant or type 2 diabetic you know, would you ever prescribe a diet of 75% carbohydrate? I hope if you're a responsible human being, you would never do that. But, uh, but they were talking. Oh, I know. I was in it too. It was horrible to yeah, hear that and to awkward. think about um, the clients I have. I, I don't train elite athletes. I don't even want to train elite athletes. And my goal is to optimize my client's health. And in doing that, it uh, always is reducing their carbohydrate content and increasing their healthy fat content because, believe it or not, fat is a nutrient. It's a nutrient that's a precursor to our hormones and our bodies need it, especially if you're an elite athlete who needs hormones to to grow muscle. we all do. We all do. Yeah. I was just going to say I I 100% share in... um, uh, I guess your prioritization of what's important. Um, I'm, I, 
you know, I, I highly believe in health first and foremost um, to our athletes. And um, I had the privilege of, of uh, recently writing a paper with uh, Dr. Phil Maftone on this on this oh. whole topic. And everybody knows, well, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Maftone. Fantastic. I, I am as well. And he's just doing amazing work um, right now. And so really, you know, I encourage your listeners to go out and check out his website. There's some great resources that are on there. Um, and of course, uh, you know, I, I think we both probably su- you know, subscribe to that philosophy. Right. But um, yeah, what we were witnessing at the um, at the Training Peaks conference was was pretty um, pretty opposite to that. It was it was really old school in my opinion, where they were right. you know um, they're recommending these really high doses, seventy five percent carbohydrate uh, diet, um, or or at least you know to consume that um, during during exercise. Um, and did you hear the part where he was saying that you need to train the body to uptake more carbohydrate? That was in my talk. Yeah. I I got that as well for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I just, I I don't know the evidence of where that's, that's come from. So I, I mean, I don't know the study that's ever shown like an improvement in, um, like an actual, an actual study that that's taken people and have you know actually trained them to up uptake more carbohydrate and, and shown an effect. Like I just don't know how the the gut actually loses its ability to to take on carbohydrates. Right, you're I gonna mean, have that's, to. I think that's a complete myth. You're gonna have to make it so the drink or whatever so thick, and then your stomach shuts down. I mean, that's one of the benefits of fat adaptation is your stomach doesn't shut down. That's right. Um, you, you want to, I mean, no one's, no one's, um, doubting the importance of carbohydrate, uh, and it's used in high intensity exercise, but, um, you want to, um, I guess you want strategies that are going to be able to optimize and use that fuel later on in the game. Right. You you want, I mean, that's the the main benefit of fat oxidation is like, timing is everything. Yeah. The more, the more you can, um, train your body to use fats, the more it's going to use that fat and, and store the muscle glycogen and the liver glycogen so that when you need that and you have that intensity, um, you will, you know, you can, you can kick in and, and start to use those matches. And that's what, you know, um, you know, uh, Jeff Volek and Steve Finney have shown, shown that in, the, in uh, a couple of recent studies uh, on ultra runners, actually. Right. Um, so, yeah, and again, back to the health thing, I mean, just to, you know, it's really maybe some of the elite athletes can handle a larger dose because of the exercise intensity that's so much so much higher and and the training volume that they're doing. Um, but the, the the thing that saddens me is when you come to a conference like this, the most the the main clientele of all of us coaches that were uh, that were um, influencing is is the um, uh, are individuals that are not elite athletes. They are um, they're not at that you know great rate of of exercise intensity and and duration. Uh, all the time, and um, to, I guess, push those carbohydrate diets, they can, you know, carbohydrate becomes glucose. Glucose is well known that it's a, um, you know, it's it's one of the big um, problems of, um, uh, I guess, contributing to disease. Right, um, and, and it's all disease. It's cancer, atherosclerosis, heart, heart disease, yeah. atherosclerosis, yeah. Um, um, diabetes, dementia, dementia. Yeah. Alzheimer's. It all has a metabolic basis. Right. Yeah. And and a lot of people, I mean, I, I'm, we're probably on the same page with this, but people are, all, they say, oh, inflammation is bad. Well, inflammation is not bad. Inflammation is necessary. The root, you have to go back one step further. What is causing the inflammation? And many times, 
it's the damage from sugar, from carbohydrates. I mean, and and do you agree with that? And how about like what sure. your athletes that you're training? You know, part of training the is how fast you can recover. How fast can you recover to get to that next training block? And if you're creating a lot of damage with glucose, how fast is your recovery going to be? So do you have any experience or any thoughts about that? Yeah. Well, again, I, I, I'd go back to the, um, the you know, I'm not actually sure if it's, if it's published yet, but I, I've seen the data from, from Jeff Volak in a presentation that he's given. The FASTER it, study? The FASTER study, that's mm-hmm. right. So I, I'm not sure if that's actually... It the, just was if, published very recently. Right. Well, I'm not sure if the immune data was published. I oh. definitely know the... the um, I guess almost the metabolic data was okay. published. I think the the um, immune data might be coming out in a subsequent oh, a subsequent cool. paper. What it, but it showed exactly that in the presentation where the um, LCHF versus the high carb athletes. The LCHF athletes um, had uh, markedly greater, I guess, immune defenses, and the um, suggesting that they had an ability to recover faster, or you know, their, their, at least their systems were primed. They're ready to to recover them. Um, you can also imagine that their um, their ketone levels would be um, acutely higher, and we also know that ketones are an efficient substrate that that go in and also facilitate the um, I guess just the energetic process of recovery. So, I mean, it just makes it's a it's a bit of a no brainer for me. I don't know why. I, I think I just feel like I, I don't know why people more people aren't kind of jumping on it. I I, I wonder right. sometimes if industry might be. Influencing that sometimes, hard to know. I think the same thing because you understand how the body works at all. You can't go to that leap that that many carbohydrates are good for you. It just makes absolutely no sense because it's anything past 8 grams, which is 2 teaspoons, your body has to do something about it. And when it does something about it, it's either going to store it as glycogen first, then storage as muscle, or store it in the liver, it's liver glycogen, the muscle glycogen, which is sugar in your liver and sugar in your muscle, and then after that, it has to process it. Your pancreas has to do some work, and your pancreas doesn't like to work all the time. Be nice to your pancreas. (laughs) Be kind kind to your pancreas. So, and it's just, I, I, it flabbergasts me, and I felt like in the talk, when I questioned the speaker, he, for one, redirected the question multiple times because I was asking the same thing. Well, do you think, I was trying to ask, do you think that there's a genetic variability in the body's ability to handle glucose? And I believe that's due to the, you know, natural fasting, like, uh, insulin levels. So, so, but he, you know, diverted the question, diverted the question. And then the girl who was sitting, people were giving me dirty looks because I was confronting him. And one of the girls sitting next to me was like, well, that's, he's, that's what he's saying. And I'm like, the fact that the other people in the room did not understand my question and that the speaker, I don't know if he didn't understand it or he specifically redirected. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't not, know. I'm not sure. I, that I, def- definitely. I mean, all humans have their, their own biases, right. us included, but right. um, his was definitely also very apparent. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I think he's he's had that stance for a while. I think there's even a you know there's a TED talk there where he he goes into the oh. the vital importance of that um, you know ingesting high levels of of carbohydrate for for exercise. And I I've just seen you know 
there isn't a, you know, there is not as much research that yet that has um, shown the importance of the fat oxidation, um, uh, but and that's I think that's largely because the the main funders of the of the research right. is, is is very biased towards the carbohydrate because unfortunately the it's you know, easy to produce cheaply. That's right. Big food pushes all that. Big food um, you know supports all of the um, all of the researchers and the. Um, the corporations uh, that are providing, uh, I guess, grant funding to right. all of the scientists that are performing that. So. Right. And something that I think, you know, people always say, well, there's no data, there's no data. Well, my background is anthropology. I was an archaeologist mm -hmm. before I was a coach. There are thousands of years of data of what humans ate, mm -hmm. and it's very evident that hunter-gatherers, when they switched to a uh, agricultural society, their health degraded. And they're eating whole grains. The Egyptians had the same metabolic problems that we do, and the Egyptians ate a lot of grains. So how could you make that leap that the body needs a bunch of carbohydrates? Yeah, well, I think, it, I mean, it's, at least in the exercise literature, it, the story is a little bit long, but I think the Coles Notes version is it comes down to the Bergstrom findings. Uh, the Bergstrom was the, the muscle biopsy needle where they showed basically that, um, you know, if you had more, if, you're, if your muscle glycogen was, was saturated and you had large levels of it, you um, rode to exhaustion, you, know, um, you biked to exhaustion longer. But, you know, I think um, those studies have been, um, you know, they've, they've bettered since Tim Noakes has done a, a few kind of showing, showing a null effect on, on carbohydrate loading with that sort of, um, with, with the muscle biopsies. So, you know, it was, um, that, that's one, that's kind of where things sort of started. And then a lot of the, um, uh, you know, a lot of the carbohydrate supplementation studies during exercise also showed a bit of an effect, and there are real effects there for for during. You will you will right. see some stuff there, and I think you know there was just it's it, there was a, that bandwagon. It just we, we 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 saw a couple findings, and we took too far of a jump, and um, we went too far down that path, and and um, you know industry got involved obviously, and um, but un unfortunately this is where we're at right now, and now we're we. You know, we know better, and when you know better, you you you, you do better, right? Like right. That's a classic, and and now we have to, um, yeah, we have we have to. I mean, fat is where it's at. Like you said, there's, I mean, you definitely want to be keeping your, I don't, you know, whatever um, diet uh, religion you want to kind of subscribe to. That's right. that's kind of fine. But at the end of the day, um, you know, the main signal that you've got to control is your blood glucose level, and we're all a little bit different in terms of our ability to to handle that. Um, but you know, if you spike that glucose in your daily life too high, I mean, we just went over all the different things that that's going to cause in terms of your health, right? So it's uh, diabetes, um, all you know, head of all those different diseases, atherosclerosis, um, uh, cancer, and uh, and and Alzheimer's. So right. you've got to keep those. You want to keep those under under control. Stop the supply of it. Right. Wish that at the conference, which give feedback that, hey, if you're going to give one point of view, please give the counter point of view so people can make an informed decision. But don't just lean everything to one side, which, like you said, I feel like it's science that's 20 years old. For sure. And, you know, I'm just kind of thinking here um, while you're chatting there, Stephanie, one of the, one of the things that um, might be kind of confusing some of the exercise researchers, and, and this was in the, the presentation that we saw, and you know that you showed me that, um, that picture, that, uh, that, um, 
that someone tweeted and whatnot, and there's that graph there. And what you see on that graph, um, and hopefully you can, clu- you can no, include can. this as well in the, in right. the, in the show notes, um, and that's the fact that you can see when exercise intensity goes, um, I guess, much past threshold, really, um, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 percent, 90 percent, and you're, you're eventually seeing the carbohydrate oxidation skyrocket, and you're seeing the fat oxidation plummet until it actually reaches zero. Now, that is what the formula is, um, is kind of coming out and showing these researchers. But what a lot of the researchers have forgotten for some reason is the fact that when lactate um, increases its production at those high exercise intensities above your lactate threshold, um, we have a, um, a nice physiological system waiting in that bloodstream to, to quench that. And it's, it's called sodium bicarb, right? So the same, same sort of stuff that you might find in your, in your fridge or your cupboard, um, that floats around in our blood, bloodstream. And, and it acts as a buffer to that acid that's coming out. And as soon as that hits the, um, the buffer, um, out um, the, I guess the byproduct of that buffer is carbon dioxide. So all of a sudden now, um, these individuals who are blowing out in those respiratory devices, they're blowing all of, all of this carbon dioxide now, which is more the byproduct of carbohydrate oxidation. So when they actually, if they actually look at their numbers, they're actually seeing like negative numbers in, in fat oxidation. Can fat oxidation be a negative number? I mean, yeah. that just makes no sense whatsoever. You can't have a negative fat oxidation number. Right. So they just reported a zero down below. But the problem is it's completely biased. Um, so, yeah, the, um, you know, the, there's, we, we need some better studies. And I'm, I'm sitting on some data now with, uh, with a colleague, um, Dave Rollins, um, where, you know, we've got tracer data and we're showing almost near 50% oxidation of, of fat at, at high exercise intensities. Um, and we've got to get that data out there because it, this is, you know, using tracer techniques and we're kind of comparing it to the, um, to the respiratory exchange, um, method. And yeah, cause it's, it really is, um, it's, it's driving researchers kind of astray and, and, uh, like, like we just saw. I guess people don't understand that, um, or they're or they're conveniently ignoring um, some of that logic. Right. Yes. I mean, does it make any sense no, that the cell would turn off um, a perfectly good energy um, reserve like beta oxidation? Right. Like it's just fundamental. And I was like, <laughs> why would it do that? Wants to stay at li- alive at all costs. Yeah, and sure it does. And it, it wants and whatever it does, it's going to do any metabolic process or or whatever to keep it alive. And if you have too much sugar, it's going to make fat, because if you don't, it's going to kill your organs. That's right. Yeah, it's got to have a, a good good means of getting that out of the system. It's a real, you know, right. we know glucose is real toxic, right? So that's right. why it's insulin's important. Drive it out, get it into the um, into the muscle and the, and the liver, and then also, of course, convert it to fat, right? Right. Yeah, but, and un- usually convert it to unhealthy fat. Right. The uh, around your organs and yeah, and the the cholesterol levels that we get. We're all right. understanding that. We didn't understand that a few years ago, but we do now. Right. So. You know better, you do better. Right. And I don't know, Paul, my background, I I was a big devotee to that low carb or that low fat, high low fat, carb high thing. High carb, yeah. Because I didn't Same. know. <laughs> I, and it wrecked me. Yeah. I was a mess. Mm-hmm. And I had complete adrenal fatigue. I had injuries that couldn't heal. And it was that process of like, what the hell's going on? Because it's like A plus B equals C. But I was A plus B equals F, tomatoes. It doesn't, like, it, the formula didn't make it sense. If, like, what you're telling me, if I just eat less fat mm. and exercise more, 
I'm going to have this great body, I'm going to feel great, and everything is going to be, you know, unicorns and rainbows. (laughs) So, but that's not what happened. You can't can't outrun a bad diet, as they say. Right. That's so true. And especially the diet that, you know, people are telling you that's the diet you should be eating, which is tragic, and that's what stuck with me so much. Whenever the the speaker was talking, it horrified me. I was like, oh my God, 99% of the people who hire coaches, get coaches, are average everyday Joes. They're not elite athletes. And mm-hmm. elite athletes, I believe by default, have better mechanisms to handle that yeah. sugar load. Doesn't mean it's good for them, but they have mechanisms to handle it better. Yeah. You're, you're going to give a 45-year-old... Uh, office worker a 75 percent carbohydrate diet and then go and have them do a ton of work well exercise is stress on the body excess glucose is stress on the body you're gonna kill that guy you're killing people that's what i think i mean that's where my head goes yeah same here stephanie yeah we're, we're completely aligned it's um it's a real tragedy and um, we need more people to get on board and, and right. uh, you know, like yourself and, and, and really spread that message because, um, yeah, I mean, people want to want to live long and healthy lives, right? Right, and they're trying to do the right thing. Everyone, we all want to do the right thing, right. but the message is so confused right now. Right, so. and out of the talk, I didn't go to the speaker panel because I went to Neil Henderson's talk on cycling Okay. because I didn't want to listen to him because yeah. I knew I... It would be upsetting to me. Yeah. I, did you go to that the panel, the nutrition panel? Uh, I didn't know. Was, oh. was, was I didn't even know there was one, so it I was, was doing the, some of this stuff. So it was the same time as Neil Henderson's talk on oh. cycling. Oh, I should have gone. Uh, but whenever we went into, uh, I, I was at um, yeah, I was at Neil's study and Neil's as well. So so when we went to the the talk on different coaches and how they manage their clients, mm-hmm. and they talked about. You know, included in their talk about adding carbohydrates, they specifically showed, pointed out how a ketogenic diet, you know, decreased this cyclist performance. I'm like, well, how long did it? You can't yeah, just yeah. go on a That's, ketogenic diet. It takes. You it, will see a reduction in performance in the first, you know, six it's weeks a, it, yeah, to absolutely. six months. You know, it depends you on you. It is. Um, it's a it's a slow adaptation process, typically right. to um, to kind of reverse some of the adaptations that you've made before when you adapted long long durations right. to get onto the carbohydrate diet. Right. Sometimes <laughs> since childhood, because what do oh, they start exactly. people on cereal? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. I'm get that. I'm horrified that I've given my children that sort of food. So, so am I. So am I. And but I mean, we we all didn't. Right. We didn't know, know any better. Right? Yeah. So, so I I'm so happy that you spoke up. Whenever we had the talk. Yeah, and I'm equally happy that you spoke up as well. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's disconcerting when I asked the question, do you practice any nutrient timing? And he didn't even understand the question. Mm-hmm. The answer didn't even fit the question. I was like, he has no idea. And this is a person that Peter had told me he has been made aware of fat adaptation, but obviously he didn't get it. He didn't understand, and I, I sent a message to uh, Peter Defty and told him, I said, you know, this guy doesn't get it, Peter. Yeah. I said, he hasn't understand what I'm saying. So the idea that, you know, he may have been exposed to the information, but he just can't wrap his head around it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's right. I mean, either, either that or, um, or he's choosing not to. Well, that's true, too. Yeah. And I'm so glad that I met Paul because then I feel like less of a, the odd man out. Small groups, 
and we were talking to one of the speakers, and I spoke up, and there were people who gave me very dirty looks and looked at me like, who the hell are you, and you don't know what the hell you're talking about. So, and that's a pretty rotten feeling, even though I know in my heart that what I, I do with my clients works. I've had type 2 diabetics who are not type 2 diabetics anymore. And just for the record, and I'm sure you probably know, type 2 di- diabetes, for the most part, is pretty much curable, probably 98% of the time. Yeah, it typically is. Yeah, for sure. You just have to um, yeah, um, take some time to reverse some of the damage and, and, and stop supplying the, the carbohydrates at the rates that, um, that your body can't handle it at. Right. Yeah. Have you read any of the studies by Dr. Jason Fung or watched his videos? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I great. love him. He makes me laugh. I, he makes me laugh, too. He's so sassy. He is. He is. I mean, yeah, I mean, he just basically says it, right? Like, he's, he's like, folks, this isn't rocket science here, you know? Right. And that's the thing. Once you, once you understand, like, what's going on, you're like, okay, this makes 100% sense. Yeah. And it's really easy to wrap your head around. Yeah. But it, it's when you talk to someone, they're like so addicted to, they're addicted to those yeah. carbohydrates. And they are addicting. They excite your brain in the same place as heroin or cocaine. Big spill of dopamine. You got it. Yeah. Yep. Dopamine. You can get <laughs> dopamine by other ways. That's by, right. By, by accomplishing <laughs> tasks. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Or a bit of exercise. Yeah. Exercise and yeah. Exercise and setting little goals and, and crossing them off the list. Absolutely. Actually, crossing off the list gives you a little bump of dopamine. It does. It yeah. does. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> all right. So I, I better cut it short. My husband's coming to pick me up and yeah. um, we've been talking for 30 minutes. So that's a a good amount of time to Absolutely. get the information out there. And I was telling Paul, I'm like, we have to stick together and, you know, really stand up and get the information out because really, literally, there's people dying. I, I'm sure you're familiar with Ansel Keys and his research. Oh, yeah. I know the whole story. Right. And <laughs> people don't realize, if you put this in perspective, Ansel Keys and his recommendations have killed more people than Hitler. Mm. Most people, when you say Hitler, people are like, that was a horrible person. Mm. Well, Ansel Keys, his information, and I believe he's deceitful in giving it Mm -hmm. because he was heavily influenced by the sugar lobby. That has killed more people. You know, your grandmother who had a heart attack, your uncle who is in the hospital for Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. Your friend that had cancer. Yeah. You know, those are all contributing factors. Your body can only handle so many toxins. And there's other toxins out there too, but if you have that toxic load that your body can't handle, something's going to give, no matter what. Something's going to break. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's time for us all, people, to um, turn this ship around. (laughs) Exactly. All All right. Thank you so much, Paul.